is uh, such an awesome privilege to be here with you this morning to proclaim God's word. Before I do that, I just got to say thank you to the praise team for what a beautiful worship that they did just now. Can we just give them a And when that device failed, it caused me to be 
get nervous. I'm, I'm driving. I want to get to this place on time. And I think that on a much deeper level, we, we do that sometimes. We, we become anxious because of what we're putting our, our hope in. And oftentimes, when the very thing we put our hope in doesn't deliver, we, we become worried. I want to speak this morning about an issue that plagues every believer, regardless of your, your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your ethnicity. And that is the issue of anxiety. The college student knows it well, who was up late at night typing, trying to get that paper in, hoping against hope that they do. The parents know that feeling very well when you're trying to figure out if, do I body train them now? Do I take them off backwards now? Is he going to be in the bed? Is he, is he going, and you're, and you're anxious, and you're worried, and you're concerned about these things. And there's so many other things in life that we can be concerned about. Because the pressures of everyday life press into our realities so heavily at times that even the strongest Christians can't help but, but buckle and, and feel the weight and become anxious under life's difficulties. Concerns such as finances, self-esteem, relationships, and personal well-being seem to serve as the incubator through which our anxiety grows and develops. We're concerned about whether or not we will be able to take care of our families financially. We're concerned about how we look or how others perceive us. We're concerned about the security of the relationships we have. We're even concerned about our health. And I want to say right at the top of this message, there is nothing wrong with being concerned about these things. As the noted author and biblical counselor Paul David Tripp observes, there are things that should get your attention and cause your concern. There are things that you should work to avoid and protect your loved ones from. You should live carefully and be aware. But the problem occurs when we become overly concerned with the cares of this life to the point where we let such things define our sense of meaning, identity, or purpose. We let things define what our purpose should be, what our meaning should be, and what our identity should be. When this happens, we move from concern to anxiety. We, we set up these replacement messiahs, as Tripp points out, David Tripp points out. He says things that were not designed to give us peace and over which we have no control become our replacement messiahs. We ask them to do for us what only God can do. These things were never meant to give us ultimate purpose or peace. Things can't give you ultimate purpose or peace. That GPS sure didn't give me purpose or peace when I got lost in my way to It did not. Only God can give us purpose and peace. If we seek purpose in pursuing things, we will find ourselves right and excited and having an anxious heart. Our finances are important. 
But when we look to them for our sense of meaning, they become the very source of our anxiety. If we seek our purpose in pursuing money as a solution to our problems, what happens when the problems go beyond monetary solutions? What happens when money isn't enough to fix the problem? How we look, how we feel does matter, but not to the point where we, where we become worrisome about our appearance. And in so doing, we end up as prisoners to other people's perceptions of us, or even worse, narcissistic in how we view ourselves. Our relationships are important, absolutely. But when we look to them for our sense of inner peace, they become the very instruments through which worry abounds. I remember when I was at the, uh, the Berkeley College of Music studying uh, music there, and at that college there are amazing musicians, just absolutely amazing. And I remember when I first got there, just thinking to myself, if, if they just, if I could just, you know, be like them, if I could, if I could have their friendship, if I could, if I could be in their group, man, that would really. That would really make me, that would make me feel good. I would feel great. And I think what I was seeking was my identity or, or from their approval. And, and, and honestly, now that I look back at it, 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 it doesn't matter. We, we can't find peace or purpose in, in people's approval. It doesn't, that, that doesn't matter. But we oftentimes do that. Our health is vitally important. And maintaining a proper diet with exercise is necessary to our physical well-being. The, the running joke around here is that, you know, I can, Johan eats whatever he wants. You know, I, I, my guilty pleasure right now is the Oreo McFlurry. I, I love it. It's, man, I've got it. It's so good. <laughs> so I really mean that, right? But honestly, our health is important. We do want to make sure that we're good stewards of our, of our bodies. But if maintaining good health becomes our sole purpose for existence and meaning in life, what happens when our health fails us? Then we were created to get our meaning, our identity, and our purpose vertically from God. But you know, the temptation is to look for that same meaning, that same purpose, and that same identity horizontally from others, from things. We put our hope in things, trusting that they will deliver. And when they don't, we end up being disappointed, depressed, and despondent. But all the concern over things can be the occasion of our worry and our anxiety. They are not the cause of it. The cause of anxiety does not come from what is happening externally on the outside. It comes from what is going on internally on the inside of us. The inside of us is a reference to what scripture calls the heart. And the heart is the place where our cognitive, our affective, and our volitional faculties exist. And all that means is, that simply means our thinking, our desiring, and our choosing all occur in the heart. How we interpret life, how we reason through life, affects our desires, what we desire from life. And then in turn, those desires affect how we act and what we do. 
Why is all of this important? Because anxiety stems from the heart's inclination to place meaning, hope, and trust in earthly things rather than placing meaning, hope, and trust in God. You have a copy of God's Word this morning. Please open it and turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and 40. So just hold it there for me. This morning, there are three things I want us to see regarding the anxiety in our lives and how to properly and rightly deal with it. And they are the importance of priority. I want us to see the importance of priority. Secondly, the promise of provision. And then finally, I want us to see the power of prayer. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. God's word says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. God had blessings for reading his words. But the first thing I want us to see is the misplaced priority of, of Martha. In talking about the importance of priority, Martha had a misplaced priority. Martha's priority was on getting her home ready to host Jesus and his disciples. And, and you can certainly relate to this. I mean, we've all been there. You're, you're having guests over the house. You, you want to make sure everything is right, everything is prepared, everything is fixed and in the right place. And that can be very taxing. But that was, that was Martha's focus. Scripture tells us in verse 40 that Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Exactly how we are at times with all of the things that we're trying to do and accomplish, we become we become distracted. We we become distracted by what we think should be a top priority. Martha thought that preparing her home for Jesus was the top priority. Martha was more concerned with hosting the Savior rather than hearing the Savior. She was overly preoccupied with laboring for Jesus rather than listening. The Son of God was in her midst, and all she was focused on was serving and preparation. You know, it, it's, it's interesting, about 12, uh, not 12, but six years ago, um, we had the opportunity to have a, a councilman, Oliver Gilbert, in our home. He is now the mayor of uh, Miami Gardens, but we were, they were having this initiative called Tea with the Residents. And it was a platform where he could come into the homes of people and just talk with them about the issues that were, that were going on in the community. And so he 
came to our house to speak with us about the, uh, the community. And it was interesting that we began to obviously prepare and we want to make sure everything is in the right place. And how interesting it would have been, though, for us to do all of that preparing, have him come there and say, okay, I'm not trying to listen to you right now. I'm too busy getting stuff ready for you, but hang on, we'll, we'll get to that. Like, it, it would almost be like me inviting a renowned jazz musician into, into my home and then not wanting to hear what he had to say about music because I'm so focused on preparing. This is in essence what, what Martha's doing. The Son of God is in her midst and her primary focus was on preparation and serving. You know, Martha's mistake here was not in her serving, though. And I don't want to be too rough on Martha here this morning in Scripture because Martha is one of the only people in Scripture who actually professed Jesus as Messiah in John 11, chapter 11. But here, her, the issue was her focus on her preparations. Instead of, she was seeking to find her sense of purpose and priority in her preparations and performance rather than finding it in the person of Jesus. This reveals the real attitude of Martha's heart. In her heart, she reasoned that all the burden of preparation has fallen on her and interpreted Mary's devotion to Jesus as a hindrance to her goal, to her purpose, and to her plans. Her emotion was one of frustration. These attitudes informed her volition, her action, which was to sharply question the care of Christ in her circumstance and also seems to be an indictment on Mary. I mean, Jesus, she's, the reason she's not helping me is because she's too busy sitting there listening to you. Wow. In essence, she's frustrated with Mary for not helping and blaming Jesus for not doing anything about it. She says in verse 40, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me? And that word there in the Greek is, is an interesting one. It's the word katalebo, and it means to forsake. So she feels completely abandoned in this moment. And overburdened. Then, then tell her to help me. But you know, Jesus revealed that the very thing she thought should be a priority was the very source of her anxiety. In verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. And this morning, can you hear Jesus saying that? I do. In my heart and in my life, Johan, Johan, you're worried and bothered about so many things. Do we hear him saying that to us this morning? The double use of her name signifies the, the gentle rebuke that he's going to give to her. And Jesus is not correcting her for her serving or for her being active. That's not the problem. That's not the issue here. The issue here is her being anxious and bothered and troubled and over-concerned with the serving and the activity. You know, performance and service can and should give meaning and purpose to our lives. But they can also, they can only do this. They can only do this when they are rightly prioritized. When we seek to put God first as Mary did. Martha 
if, if, we, if we follow Martha's example here in this, in this passage, when we take things by themselves and make things a priority in our lives, they can lead us to feel very much like Martha did. Distracted, frustrated, and anxious. That's what happens when we put our hope in things, when we put our hope in, in performance, or serving, or doing all of these different things, and not putting our focus rightly on Jesus, where it should be. The second thing I'd like us to notice in this passage this morning is a proper priority. Remember, we're talking about the importance of priority in, in, in being anxious, when we're anxious and working. Mary had a proper priority. We see this demonstrated in her ability to sit at and listen to and learn from Jesus. In verse 39, the Bible says she was listening to the word, to the Lord, to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. We also see from John's gospel that Mary broke a very costly bottle of perfume and anointed Jesus' feet with it. And the sacrifice of this expensive possession further demonstrated her devotion to Jesus, her priority. In, in that time, during that time period, poverty was prevalent. For her to do that really showed what her priority was. And it's interesting that Judas immediately knows and says, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii? He, he immediately knows the amount. Why that is? Immediately. His focus was not on the priority of Christ. But Mary did have she wasn't concerned with the price of the Bible. In John 12, 7, Jesus said, Mary did this as a showing of honor and in anticipation of Jesus' burial. She gave something of great value as a way of consecrating Jesus for burial. Her priority was acutely focused on Christ. Is that our priority this morning? Is Jesus our priority this morning? Is our focus on him? In our text, Jesus commends Mary for this, saying in verse 42 that she has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our priority should always be in seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And it's easy to become distracted from doing this because all of the other things that we worry about, but our meaning, our purpose, and our identity comes from seeking to see God's interests actualized and accomplished in our lives. That's where we get our sense of meaning from. That's how we, we stem back anxiety and worry. If our, if our focus is on things, then that's when anxiety takes root. Because remember, it happens in the heart. And I ask again, what is our priority this morning? His agenda for our lives should override our agendas for our lives. As the song says, and I love this song, let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe your all to us. Jesus is our all. Jesus is our portion. Jesus should be our priority. 
Well, let me say this morning, church. If, if, if your heart is heavy with anxiety this morning and, and worry, let me encourage you to make Jesus the ultimate priority in your life. Make Jesus the ultimate focus in your life. That will definitely help you in times of anxiety and worry. The second thing I want us to notice is the promise of provision. The promise of provision. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at verse 25 to 34. This is the scripture on anxiety, in my opinion. I mean, there are certainly other scriptures that speak to anxiety, but Jesus here is, is targeting that topic. And he says this. For this reason, I say to you, verse 25, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed as these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is our Lord speaking here. You can just hear that scripture, just reading that scripture, and, and just hearing the power in that. The promise that God is going, is going to provide for us. Most of Jesus' audience listening to this, they were poor. And it's interesting that in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. What? Whoa! I'm poor. I have nothing. Poverty, again, was not unique to that time period. This would have been a profound teaching at the time. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Right? Jesus calls for his listeners not to lay up for themselves treasures on earth, but to lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. He is calling for them to be devoted to the pursuit of heavenly blessings. In verse 21, he says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, Jesus knew that people's choices and actions were shaped by the things that they cherished the most. And ours are the same way. Our choices and our actions are shaped by what we cherish most. And when what we cherish most is secure, then we feel 
feel like you can rest. But what, but when it's when it's jeopardy, that's when we worry. When the thing we cherish most is under attack or or stands to be taken from us, we worry. Which goes right back to what is, what should be our our focus. What should be our treasure? What should we cherish the most? Here, Jesus is saying, don't don't store up treasures here on this earth. If money is the thing we cherish most, then our choices and actions will be shaped by pursuing it. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, and that you cannot serve God and them, or money. You cannot be devoted to serving God and devoted to pursuing money. But this world seems to think that, that that's, that's, how you, that's how you survive. That's how needs are met. And, and again, I would not be so naive as to think that we don't need money. That money is not important and that it's not necessary to purchase what we need. But I would also recognize, I would also recognize that pursuing money can create a false sense of security. It's why Jesus says here, for this reason, right? He just got finished in verse 24 saying, you cannot serve God and mammon. And for this reason, here's why you can't do that. For this reason, I say to you, don't be anxious. If you're trying to do that this morning, then you will be extremely anxious. You will be worried. You will be burdened if you are trying to chase God and money. But we can't be devoted to both. I think this is one of the reasons why we put such a large emphasis on being financially stable. We, of course, again, we want to make sure that our families are taken care of and that our, our children have food to eat and a place to sleep and clothes on their backs. Of course, a parent wouldn't want that. And again, I want to emphasize that having a plan for our finances and being good stewards of our monetary resources is wise. That is a wise thing to do. And planning for the future is necessary. But when we become anxious or worried about our finances to the point where we're, we're chasing money, we're looking to our finances for our sense of hope, for our sense of peace and purpose, we actually are saying we don't trust God. We don't trust God to, to, to provide for us. But we have the promise that God will provide for us. And he has provided for us. Again, verse 26 says, that God feeds the birds of the sky, and that we're worth more than they are. God feeds the birds, he feeds animals, and we're worth more than they. He again says in verse 28 that the lilies of the field do not toil or spin. They don't have jobs, and yet they're clothed more splendidly than Solomon was in all of his glory. Verse 30 shows us that our anxious worrying is actually a sign of an anemic faith, a weak faith. Jesus says, but if God so arranged the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Church, God is more than able to provide for our physical needs. More than able to do that. And I want, I want us to know that this morning. And the Bible tells us that he has knowledge of the things that we need. Imagine that. God knows exactly what each and every one of you needs. God is omniscient. 
God knows all that is knowable. He knows all things possible and actual. He knows all things past, present, and future. He knows everything about the world he has made exactly. He knows it all. He knows every single detail of all that is actual, that is as it exists right now. He knows that. And all that is possible. He knows every single detail about the way things could be different. We serve an amazing God this morning who has intimate, eternal knowledge of everything. And yet, Scripture says he knows what we need. We can trust him. We can put our faith in him. We don't have to look to things for our hope. We don't have to look to things for a sense of purpose. God will provide. But an awesome God we serve this morning. God knows what we need better than we do. Because we sometimes, and I've done this, we sometimes mistake our wants for needs and become worried when we don't think our needs are being met. When we don't get what we think we should have. You know, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance he's in. And he was in some pretty bad ones. And yet, he's learned the secret to contentment. What is that secret? He tells us, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul is prepared to endure any circumstance in life because Christ empowers him. Christ provides for him. But remember, God knows everything, and he knows exactly what we need, even before we ask. If God provides for birds and flowers, he will surely take care of his people. He will surely take care of his children. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we do not need to be anxious or worried. But church, there's one thing I need to say this morning. What is of utmost importance? What is of utmost importance? is that God has made provision for a need that no one can put a price tag on. Our need for a Savior. This is the most important need that humanity has, and God has lovingly provided for it through the shed blood of His Son. All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven and paid for through Jesus. Romans 8.32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he not also with him freely give to us all things? And the all things there doesn't mean any, anything we want. It's actually a reference to the inheritance, the future inheritance that we have as children of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's what that refers to. God has provided for us in the most ultimate way, meeting our most ultimate need, with the most ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God who was slain for us. We do not need to worry about the provisions of this life because God not only meets our physical needs here and now, he has also met our eternal need by sending Jesus to die, the just for the unjust, so that we may have eternal life. We don't need to be worried about provision how we'll eat, or how we'll drink, or what we'll wear. Jesus has taken care of that. God has supplied all of our needs. 
needs. And he supplied the most important one, our need for salvation. The third and final thing I want to recognize this morning and look at is the power of prayer. If you, if you, I know you do have your Bibles, please turn to Philippians chapter 4. I want to look at, really quickly, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Back up. Let's read that again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, by prayer, by prayer. Do we take the time to pray? The Bible just says here for us not to be anxious for anything, for nothing. And that's a, that's a tall order. Especially in light of what we've just discussed, and finances and self-esteem and, and relationships, that's not an exhaustive list. There are so many other things that we can say that we worry about and that we're anxious about. But the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel stressed out by the cares of this world, who, who can we, what can we do? What can we do to, 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 to fight back this anxiety? Who can we turn to for help? Who's going to listen? Scripture says that we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication to make our requests known to God. We have the most extraordinary opportunity and privilege to have access to the creator and sustainer of the universe. When life's burdens seem too much to bear, we can go to God in prayer knowing that he hears us. That is a powerful thing. You're not praying to a fictitious being. You're not praying to the wall. You're not praying to yourself. You're praying to God. And he hears you. And he cares about you. He cares about you this morning. That's powerful. We have that extraordinary opportunity and privilege. When life's burdens seem too much to bear, we can go to God and he hears us. Instead of being anxious about our situations and circumstances or our needs, we are told to make our requests known to God, but we are told to do so with thanksgiving. And sometimes that's not easy to do. Sometimes in life we go through things that don't seem to make sense. Very difficult things. But God knows why we go through what we go through. And even though we don't understand, we must give thanks to God, trusting that He does know and He does understand exactly what he is seeking to accomplish in our lives for his glory. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7 says that we are to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. What a blessing that is, that he cares for us, that God cares about you. We also have an amazing promise in verse 7 of Philippians 4. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there are so many things that people use to try to attain that peace in this world. Transcendental meditation, various substances, a relaxing vacation. But none of those things, none of them, can bring the type of peace that is described in this verse in Scripture. This is a peace that surpasses all human ability to understand it. And this peace guards our hearts and our minds. 
which, by the way, is the very place where anxiety dwells. And it does that in Christ Jesus, the guardian of our hearts and minds. Jesus said in John 16, these things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You know, sometimes others can see the difficulties that we're going through, not always, but sometimes they can. They can see our circumstances. And when they see what we are able to, to, to withstand, when they see what we are able to deal with and bear up under, what a great testimony that is to our faith in Jesus Christ. What a powerful testimony that Jesus is the reason why we're able to press on. Jesus is the reason why we have purpose. Jesus is the reason why we have hope. As I conclude this morning, one of the practices of prayer that has been a blessing to me over the years is praying the Psalms. I know uh, Pastor Summer Senior used to, used to say that, and he was right. It's a powerful, powerful practice to pray through the, the book of Psalms. Uh, the book is filled with God's, with, with, with God's love, proclamations of his goodness, proclamations that he cares for us. Psalm 91, for instance, verse 14 and 15 says, Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high, because he has known my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Psalm 94 is another example of God's promise to care for us. It says, When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O oh Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. But one of my favorite songs is Psalm 120. My help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. For the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard you going out. He will guard your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Can you, can you hear how good God is in these psalms? And this is just three. The book is filled with it. Filled with, with, with psalms of love and, and care. Can you hear God telling you how much he loves and cares for you this morning through these psalms? Can you understand how much he cares about what you are going through? And the beauty is that we have the most blessed opportunity to approach God in prayer and lay hold of these promises only that he cares for us. This morning, my prayer is for us to understand that our hope is not in things, but in Christ. Our hope is not in things, but in Christ. He should be the most important priority in our lives, and everything else should be secondary. I also hope we realize that God has promised to provide for our earthly needs and that he has also provided for our eternal being. He's provided salvation through Jesus. Finally, as we close, as I conclude this morning, and prepare for our Lord's Supper, finally, may we never take for granted the awesome privilege we have to communicate with God through prayer. We can't take that for granted, church. We have to be a people of prayer. In doing these things, we need to utilize this privilege to overcome anxiety and worry. In doing these things, we will see the importance of priority, the promise of provision, and the power of faith. May God, may the grace of God, may the grace
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege we have to come before you in prayer. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you that we don't have to be anxious. And when we do get anxious, God, that we can depend on you. We can trust in you. Bless these that are gathered here. You know each circumstance intimately, God. Speak to each one as only you can. And may your perfect will be done in each circumstance. We love you.